today on Learn Me Something. Brain Tricks versus The Terminal Man. Hey, Josiah. What's up? Good to see you. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, Here's a thing to start us off that popped into my head. Because we follow the same accounts on Instagram. And I know that because I follow all these accounts that give me great podcast ideas. But I can't use them because I know you follow them and see them too. Yeah, big bummer. I I think the same thing. Because I see those same cool topics as well. But I was doing a little scroll earlier. And I saw that you liked a post that I also found very interesting. And it was a snake in a tube that they built legs for. Yes. Robot legs. Uh, I and love I saw that, that you liked yeah. it and I was like, ah, he saw it. But that would have been so good. So uh, I don't really have anything to say about that. I just think it's a hilarious idea. Yeah, I saw that. And I, I, di- I didn't really look much into it. But I guess a YouTuber basically created this tube that's probably, I don't know, four or five inches in diameter. Uh-huh. And then he just, it's the length of a snake. So it's the little head is hanging out the end of the tube. <laughs> He's just laying has, in the tube. And it has four robotic legs. So the snake's just laying there <laughs> and the robot's actually walking around. And I don't know how they keep the snake in there, which makes me think the snake's dead or not yeah. a real snake. I had a lot of questions about maybe it. They just put lots of like Vicks in it to keep it slippery <laughs> so he can't move around. He can't move. Yeah, because also, there's no way the snake's controlling the legs. So they haven't made I don't it that far so. into the experiment yet. Maybe, just... like maybe they do some kind of eye tracking thing with the snake. So if it looks left, the robot starts to walk left. Well, it gave me the idea of a little snake treadmill inside the tube that as it slithers, it stays in place, but then it oh, moves the robot legs You could somehow. totally do that. Yeah. So uh, I'll probably send those guys a message soon and just offer up some new ideas. But you could definitely do that. Yeah, you could do that. With, you could do that with a fish too, like get a tank. Oh, that's and, good. And track the fish so that when it swims forward, the little wheels on the tank go forward. Oh, I think I saw that. Didn't they just do that? Something like that. Maybe. Maybe that's where I get the idea from. <laughs> I feel like I just saw something like that, where. It's literally just a fish in a tank, and then it tracks the movement, just like you said, and that's robot legs. So you can see it, like, oh. coming around the corner. It's like, oh, there's the fish coming to I say love hey. That. Yeah. Uh, I'm really into the idea right now of giving animals with one solid way of transportation a different way for take, no reason. <laughs> take that out of the equation. Make them learn something new. <laughs> yeah. Fish on land. Snakes with legs. What else will they come up with? What if you What if you get a, a mammal and uh, give it some wings? Like get a little hamster <laughs> and give it, put it on a, a quadcopter, like right in the middle, a little uh-huh. seat in there, and, and somehow it's it moving looks, its legs. Yeah, yeah. Wherever it yep. looks, that's where it goes. Or an elephant inside a submarine that moves when the elephant looks whichever way it falls if it falls so it can to the just... left <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then if it looks up it propels upwards so it's just kind of amoebaing around underwater do you, 
Do you remember? Of course you remember. <laughs> We've definitely talked about this since we read it. But in middle school, there was this book that we got at the book fair. Oh, called... I know exactly Say what it. you're talking about. Say it. Uh, Whales on Stilts. Yeah. <laughs> that was a classic. I think We've... you got it and you recommended it. And you're like, this is a great piece of literature. <laughs> and I Whales I on partook. Stilts, man. It's so good. Yeah. I forgot about that until just now. But it's a great idea. Yeah. I think... Oh, that's really funny that you made that connection. And we just happened to both share another story of animals transporting themselves in different random ways. Weird, yeah. weird coincidence. Fate, actually, really. But yeah. Anywho, so uh, if you're new to this podcast, welcome to Learn Me Something, the competitive podcast where we compete to deliver the best topic and the best presented topic. Then we take it to the polls on social media and you, the listeners... Uh, and also, sorry, also the show notes. There's a link in the show notes on the episode you're listening to. You go on, you can vote for which episode you liked more, and the winner gets glory and legend mm-hmm. status, and the loser has to do a punishment. And Josiah lost episode one of season three a couple weeks ago. So, Josiah, why don't you share a little bit about your... Um, uh, you know, just kind of what you've been up to since you lost that episode. <laughs> yeah, so the punishment, since I lost, I had to make three different TikTok dances. <laughs> and the way that I like to go about things like this is I'm not a huge dancer. Like, it's fun, but I'm not good at dancing. It's not your thing. And and so the way that I like to go about it is to play to my strengths. So I, <laughs> with two of them, I relied heavy on editing to oh, make good. it more good. interesting. And then one of them, I relied on a TikTok effect that like wiggles your body. So I just stood there and <laughs> it's not bad. I, all three of them are pretty old trends, but I, they just made me happy. So I went with them. <laughs> and uh, you can, if you want to see them, you can check out, we'll at least have one or two on Instagram and they're all on TikTok. So you can check out those at Learn Podcast and we'll link them in the show notes too. But I, it was not, okay, once, once I like had a film, had it filmed, I was totally fine. <laughs> but before that, I was just dreading it. Did, uh, just, did Abby, was Abby around for any of them? Yeah, the whole, all of them. She oh, filmed, good. she filmed some of them <laughs> and I was like, come on, you, you should dance with me. She was she would never. That's hilarious. Um, so I, I'm out there by myself, but she um, supported I, me from behind the good. camera. That's kind of her. Um, I do want to throw someone under the bus just really quick. Your mom did tell me that she voted for me specifically because she <laughs> wanted you to do the dances. <laughs> okay, I wondered. And I was like, yes! I was very okay. happy about that because I did not want to do this one either. Yeah, it, it worked out. Like after watch, I've watched them a couple times and they make me laugh. So hopefully, <laughs> if nothing else, it makes makes people laugh. And maybe and we'll get some learn me something TikTok clout. Yeah, I don't. Is that such a thing? I don't know. I, I don't in know my, how it works. In my mind, you can't get clout from TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually. No, I I, you can actually. I, I, you know what I mean. But <laughs> I, I guess you can. It's cool well, to get millions of views on something that you worked about five seconds to film. That's true. But, if I if that. Yeah, if one of my videos were to go big, which I've not made a TikTok video, but you have, you've had a video that's had a gone pretty, pretty big. Pretty successful ones. 
Yeah, and every time I know a few people that put a video up on TikTok and it just goes big for no reason. And every time it's like this is just such a mysterious social platform to me. I, just, you know what, I take I take it back. You can't get clout for, from TikTok. <laughs> okay. Maybe not clout's the word. Clout's maybe not the word, but when Respect. I like when I've posted a couple of them, and one of them I'm shirtless in, and I realized probably since <laughs> that video has shown more people in the world have seen me shirtless than with a shirt on. <laughs> that was just something interesting to ponder. That's clout right there. And then that got that got a uh, somebody found on TikTok and posted it on Whistle Sports. Oh, did that's you know fun. that? No, I didn't. That was yeah. Uh, this is the ago. one where you're doing the ice. You're sliding, sliding on, the on the ice. ice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. That was uh, a fun surprise. That's like we, my only brush with uh, TikTok fame. With fame and glory. <laughs> nice. Anyway, the videos were not fun at first, and then once I was editing them, they were fun. They got more fun. <laughs> well, I haven't seen any of them. I'm very excited. Uh, they're going to go live around the same time-ish that this episode goes live, so I... I'm quite looking forward to them. Maybe I'll post my own reaction video or something. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but <laughs> you can you can just uh, I can duet it, right? Do, That's yeah, do the same, like copy what I'm doing. Yeah, good. That's good. Yeah, cool. Should so, we uh, should we dive into some competing kung fu p <laughs> kung fu petition? Yeah. Do you do you want to <laughs> you choose who goes first since you won? Okay, you went first last time, didn't you? I did. I did. Maybe I'll go first. Maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll keep it fresh. I'll go first okay. this time. Sounds good. And uh, keep you on your toes. Okay. So I had a little bit of a crisis in <laughs> studying uh, studying for this topic that I'm going to do uh, this this week. And um, I don't really know how I feel about it. It's kind of haunting me, if that makes sense. It doesn't because okay. you don't know what my topic is. But hopefully soon it will make sense. Um, so to give you some backstory, I jumped on, jumped online. Usually I do some random Googling till I find a topic that suits my fancy. Like sometimes I Google random numbers and just see if things pop up. Like I, Oh, really? Yeah. Like I Googled. Has that worked? No, not yet. And this topic is not a result of that. But sometimes when I'm looking for topics, I just type random things in and see what happens. So I put like 474 mystery in Google, yeah. and it was like, you never know. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, so I'm Googling random stuff, and then a random odd, an odd, an ad pops up that makes me think, ooh, I should do my topic on optical illusions. Oh. So I was like, that seems fun. Optical illusions are weird. I could talk about how they work, how they trip up your brain, that kind of stuff. And it took me into this deep dive into my topic today. It's just like article after article, link after link. And so the result is me coming to you with this topic that I'm concerned with called, can you trust your brain at all in any way? <laughs> okay. So uh, what do you think? Do you think, do you think you can trust your brain? Do you think it's trustworthy? So is the idea that you don't know for sure if you're, if the world that you perceive is actual reality? Yeah. That's that's a big part of it. Okay. Uh, I think my first first time <laughs> I thought about that was when I f watched I was watching Lost. Uh huh. And uh, 
one of the characters was talking about that, and he was just going to, like, end it and jump off a cliff or something. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, whoa, whoa. I think I was a freshman in high school, and it was the most mind-blowing thing I'd ever heard. Like, it, that your brain can't, isn't showing you real like, stuff? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the Matrix? Is How this do you simulation? know it's real? Don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It's me. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to go that far into it okay. to say, like, what if everything's fake? I'm going to go more on the science-based side. Um, do you think your brain shows you everything? Oh, no. You don't? No. Do you think it records everything correctly? No. Okay. So it started with obstacle illusions. Obstacle. <laughs> Optical illusions. I was like, it, it could be fun to just know how, like, why do you look at something and it wiggles when it's actually just stationary, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or why does this line look longer than another line when it's not? That's kind of that's kind yeah, of yeah. what I thought would be a yeah. fun topic. That's what I think of when I hear opti- <laughs> obstacle yeah, illusion. It, it gets, yeah. The word is an illusion itself. Yep. And then, so that just, that just led me down this rabbit trail of, uh, wait a second. There's, there's some, some fishy stuff going on with your brain that I don't know if I'm stoked about. And, uh, let's, let's, get, let's get into it. It seems weird what your brain is up to all the time and what we're just okay with and our brain is just okay with doing. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about it. So let's start. Uh, let's just start with obstacle illusions. So I'm just going to call it that since okay. it's more fun Whatever now. comes out is what we're going to stick with. Let's just start with optical illusions. Uh, basically, how they work is your brain looks for patterns, right? Your brain is a pattern. Recognize- also, I made it two episodes into this season before talking about brain stuff. <laughs> but I did my best. Your brain is a pattern recognition machine, and that's just what it does. It recognizes patterns marks down the patterns, remembers them, brings them back into play later, all that kind of stuff. So it already has a pretty nice kind of log book of patterns that it knows well. And the problem with this is sometimes your brain is just like, I I think this pattern could work here. And it takes shortcuts where it should not be taking shortcuts and just input stuff. So essentially, when you see something, light bounces off of an object, and then it goes into your eye, goes into your retina, right? And then it's, uh-huh. get, it's electrical signals are sent to the brain with the information from the eye, and then the brain decides what that is, and it decides how it wants to interpret it, right? Problem is, it, that process of light hitting your eye like a big pizza pie <laughs> and then going to uh, your brain... And then your brain deciding what it looks like and then showing that to your conscious state, which takes, that's a whole takes other about thing. Three seconds. <laughs> for three me. To, three to five minutes. No. <laughs> it takes, uh, well, for sight specifically, it can take a couple hundred milliseconds, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's enough that if you were to try to hit a baseball with a baseball bat, and you had only the delayed information, you wouldn't be able to hit it. And so we wouldn't have any sort of coordination or be able to like make any sort of fast things happen like that. Catch a ball, uh, jump. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you could, you could probably jump off stuff. But like 
jump onto something moving and get it right. Well, can't don't you just like based on experience, you just have to swing a little bit earlier than you'd think? Yeah, kind of. So it is based off of experience, but here's here's the first red flags that your brain is doing something suspicious is that uh, it decides it's going to just use the patterns it's seen before and just predict what's going to happen. So everything you see is a couple hundred seconds delayed. Nope. Nope. I take that back. A couple hundred milliseconds delayed, but your brain does three to five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But your brain doesn't want anything to be laid. It wants you to be delayed once you'd have real-time information so it just guesses it takes a quick shortcut and just predicts what it thinks going to happen and just shows you that so your perception is real time but your actual vision is delayed and to make up the delay your brain's just like let's just make a guess and hope for the best so it does use your experience but it's not just knowing that you need to swing earlier it's your brain actually showing you something that hasn't happened yet based off of what it's seen before. Okay. So I think it's going to be, my brain shows me that it's going to be here, even though it's maybe like a five hundredths of a millisecond behind that in reality. Uh, like 200 milliseconds. (laughs) It could be, it could be significantly behind 200, 300 milliseconds, but your brain shows it to you early so that you can get to it quicker. Okay. And so that's where the issue with obstacle illusion comes in, is that your brain has a ton of information to process constantly. And so instead of being able to just process it immediately, it processes a chunk of it and then guesses on the rest and just shows you what it thinks is real. And the trick with obstacle illusions is that they literally trick your brain into guessing the wrong thing, which is why something that stays still could move or two lines that are the same length actually can be completely different lengths or it'll show you another one is like colors and shading. It'll show you that it's one shade. Like, have you seen the one where it's like these two gray squares are actually the same shade, but you see one is gray and one is white, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It'll do stuff like that too. It'll just, you know, it just kind of fills in the gaps predicts the outcome and stuff. And so that's just your reality. And when I researched that, I was like, that's pretty interesting that your brain just guesses ahead of time. But I don't know if that's happening for obstacle illusions, could it be happening in real life too? And we're just perceiving stuff that's just wrong and our brain just guessed and got it wrong, but we just think it's completely real. Does this not bother you as much as it bothers me? Not really. I don't really care. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it seems to okay. work itself out. <laughs> okay. I guess that's fair. Maybe I don't understand. Maybe I haven't put as much thought into it as you. So I, it's just like, yeah, whatever whatever happens, happens. <laughs> okay. What's, what's your deal with it? I just think it's weird that your entire reality could be just wrong. Because your brain decided to guess instead of just waiting a couple, a couple more milliseconds and giving you the real, the accurate information. Yeah, it's not, it's not like life changing though. Like it's just maybe barely imperceptibly off. (laughs) 
if well, you were sometimes. if you were a robot, if you got robot eyes and a robot brain, and started a process that way, you'd be like, oh, it's a little different, I guess. That's it's what a, I think. I suppose it's a little better now that I have my <laughs> my robot brain. <laughs> Would you do that? Would you get a robot brain if offered the opportunity? No. Okay. I don't think that's a whole different topic. Oh, I'd get a robot skull. Is that just metal? It's a strong skull. Actually, you know what? I'll replace all my bones. I don't need them. They're old. Give me like, <laughs> me- yeah, Vibranium. metal robot. Yep, that type of skeleton. And um, you probably can't. You probably still can't jump out of a building, but yeah, because like you'd have out of organ plane. issues. Probably, but it'd still be better. Less bleeding. Yeah. Do do we even need to bleed? I would have. <laughs> can we get away with just stopping bleeding if we just made all of our skin metal, and but still breathable and all that? Made all well, of our probably, skin metal. You probably don't need to bleed, do you? Probably not. Well, I would. I don't know. If I had a metal skeleton, I would want to be able to protrude three knives out of my knuckles. Oh, like little chopsticks for eating? <laughs> little chopsticks. Yeah, forget what... I guess we don't need violence. Maybe one knife for cutting up vegetables. One, one knife for veggies, one spatula for flipping stir-fry, yep. and one chopstick for eating the rice. And then, yeah, well, maybe it's like specifically a fork for, spoon. Yeah, specifically for, like, chicken stir-fry. Yeah, essentially, when they were coming up with Wolverine, they just didn't think about it well enough. They could have had a efficient machine, but instead they went for like a, a weapon. But they could he have had like picture yeah. a guy with uh pins. You could have like how much he could write if the pin was three, just attached to him. Three times as fast. <laughs> exactly. At least. The science is clear. So uh that was okay. a, that was a fun tangent. My bad. I my, my bad. My See like when bad. I it's like I don't I don't Maybe it just doesn't affect me as much as you, so I think about other things. Okay. I guess it doesn't have to. I just, I think it's very interesting that your brain is just making flash decisions without even looking at all the information. Seems no, very that is that is crazy. Crazy, and I just, maybe it's just so far out there, I don't, I can't understand it. Okay, so to you, it's crazy, but not concerning. Sure, yep, exactly. Okay, I think I, I think I could get on board with that. Um... Another thing I learned as part of my deep dive into this, this is that um, what your eye actually sees isn't what your brain shows you in that the way your eyes set up, the actual signal sent to your brain is upside down and it's completely unfocused, which is crazy to me. And it has like, it's full of veins and stuff because the, I don't know actually entirely how eyes work, but there's visible veins according to the anatomy of your eye. Um, And then there's also a huge black blind spot uh, where some of the optical nerves connect to the eye where you just wouldn't be able to see anything. And so if you can picture it, you can actually look it up online, like what the eye actually sees. And it's kind of crazy. It's like upside down, super blurry, a little grayed out. There's veins all over the place. There's a giant black circle in one part of it. So essentially, one article I read that I liked said that your brain just kind of photoshops it. It takes all the information, flips it upside, flips it upright, 
and then photoshops it to look nice and sharp and clear, gets rid of some of the veins, gets rid of the blind spot, and then that's what you get to see. So in that instance, your brain actually helps out a lot. I don't understand. Okay, now I'm starting to understand why that's so mind-blowing. How does it do that? How does, it, how does your brain make something more clear? Yeah, it just makes it up. It just, like, your brain that literally... That can't be real. <laughs> your brain literally just fills in the gaps and shows you the image. And I guess it doesn't do it perfect because, you know, I have really thick glasses so that I can see stuff because the... the I, actually, I don't know. It's something about astigmatism. But wait, I should learn more about eyes sometime. That'll be next I. I was at, <laughs> last time I was at the eye doctor, I was like, uh, what, can I ask you a question? And she was like, anything. And I said, <laughs> why, what is astigmatism? And then she like started explaining it to me and then she, she got super into it and I was like, awesome. And then she like pulled out a piece of paper and was like <laughs> drawing a diagram and was like this and then, okay. And the eye, like it sees differently and there's <laughs> oblong. She was, was so excited that you actually And she's like, do you have any more questions? And I was like, uh, not really. <laughs> Interesting. And I, I got, that, got I out there and it's like, was much. no, I did, but I got out oh. and I was like, I understood none of that. <laughs> I tried so crazy. hard. I tried well, so hard to understand, but no. Yeah, there's so many different components. I looked up a diagram to see how that all makes sense. And I was like, cool, lots of stuff <laughs> that affects things. Yeah, Retina. Lots, of, I know. lots of stuff in the eye. Yep. Anyway, so your brain just makes it look all nice, but there's literal, like, full circles of blind spots. Your brain just fills that in to give you, a like, a clear, full view. So it just uses, just uses like, wild. past experiences stuff to fill it in. I, I guess if you think about, do you, do you ever get floaters in your eye? Yeah. Do you know like, what those are? Uh-huh. It looks like just a little piece of lint floating around, and then you look somewhere else, and it kind of slowly catches up. Uh-huh. Like, I guess if you're not thinking about those, your brain completely uh, photoshops those out. And your nose, too. You can see your nose at all times, but... But it just gets rid of it. You don't think about it. Yeah. So I guess it does... Uh, I'm tracking a little bit more, like, okay, there's a, a practical example that I can actually think about, that can process. Uh, yeah, of how your brain is making stuff up. Um, another, another weird thing is, uh, like when you cover one eye and your brain just kind of adjusts to still give you as full of a view as it can. It's kind of weird. Um, also it auto equalizes your ears. So that's one thing, cause I play on the worship team and we use in-ear monitors and at one church I played at. They said, it's a popular thing to do, but don't don't uh, have one in-ear monitor in and one out. Because a lot of people would just put one in so they could still hear themselves and like the surrounding, like mm -hmm. their environment and stuff with the other ear. But they said, don't do that because your brain automatically equalizes your ears. So with when you take one out, it automatically makes the other ear with the in-ear monitor quieter to balance the volume levels. And really? so then you have to turn up the volume to be able to hear it as well as you want. And then that can damage that ear because it's way louder than it should be. 
Oh, it's not because the sound is just right there in your ear. It's because your brain compensates for it. Uh-huh. Isn't that um, weird? So, so if, you, if you have, like, one earbud in, uh-huh. is that the same principle? Or is it different because there's only the sound is coming in one ear and not the other one? Oh, it's, a, it's the same... It's the same principle. Your ear, your ears will automatically kind of equalize, so it'll make that one seem quieter, which is why you might find yourself turning oh, okay. up the volume more if you yeah. have just one in. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you do have example. one in, then you just have to make sure it's a little quieter. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, okay. if you get it to the volume you want, it's way too loud and it's damaging your ear. Interesting. So there's another example of how your brain is just like casually, without permission, altering your reality to make it feel more normal and comfortable. It's weird. It's weird. That's what I do. Um, We got to keep going because I got a lot of random stuff. But uh, the dress, remember the dress controversy? Yeah, I almost brought that up. Do you remember what colors you saw? Gray and gold. Or white and gold. (laughs) I I saw rainbow and dark gray. (laughs) <laughs> no, Rainbow I saw white, color and... white and gold. Okay, I saw blue and black, which is yeah. kind of interesting. I've tried so hard to see blue and black. Oh, yeah. Earlier today, I was looking at it in preparation for this, trying to see the other one. Couldn't do it. Because your brain just decides what the color was, and it won't change it. So this just shows how little you control. you can control over... The reality. So the reality is, I looked it up, the actual dress was blue and black. I know, that hurt me when I found that out. <laughs> but uh, what's crazy is people have been doing some studies, and this one scientist did a study with 13,000 people and found a strong correlation to uh, sleep schedules. So people that are night owls versus people that get up in the morning or like people that... Uh, it's not necessarily sleep schedules. It's more what environment they're in more of. So you said your brain takes, it assumes what it has experience of. So it's all about the lighting of the picture. Your brain makes an assumption that it's either natural lighting, like natural outdoor lighting or indoor fluorescent lighting. And based off of the lighting that your brain assumes, that's what color you're shown. And that is largely affected by how much, like, you're up late at night under artificial lighting versus, or, like, throughout the day, artificial lighting versus out in, like, natural light. Your brain just made an assumption based off of what, what you were in more. Isn't that kind of weird? Mm, I think so. I don't know if I buy that. Because what if you're just outside all the time, but you're still a night person? Or what if you're a morning person... But you well, stay inside yeah. all the time. Or what I, if you live in Alaska where it's always light or always dark? Yeah. They admitted in that study that it was just one factor. Like that wasn't the sole reason yeah. you see one or the other. But there was But there was a trend. There was a decent, like visibly correlated trend based okay. off of those things. And it, it's huh. just your brain like your brain made it wrong. It, you were yeah. just wrong about the color because your brain yeah. decided. And even though you know you're wrong, you still can't see the can't other see version. It. I can't see Isn't it. Isn't that weird? Very weird. Like you have no control. Um, let's see. Basically, 
we're formed with these biases and our brain makes assumption off of the biases and we knew that we knew like how bias works right uh-huh. we've talked about that on this podcast before a little bit we know how bias works and how we can't always control it but i didn't know until studying this that it can literally affect how we see things even like not just how we kind of perceive things or how we think things in the world are but like our actual senses can be different based off of that. It's all very weird. Hmm. I'm telling you, you should be more concerned about this. Okay. Um, we should. Another example, uh, they did a police versus civilian test. So they had 152 people uh, watch a video about a police officer trying to restrain a civilian. And then the civilian kind of, like, fights back, scratches at the police officer, and then the police officer, like, shoves him against the car and handcuffs him and and everything. And so they had 152 people watch this, and they tracked their eye movement, and they told some people, pay attention to the police officer, and then they told the others, pay super close attention to the civilian. They had, uh, they tracked their eyes to make sure that they actually were doing that. And then afterwards, they asked them about the punishment. And the people that watched the police officer really closely said that the police officer should be punished harshly mm. for the encounter. And the people that watched the civilian said the civilian should be punished. Interesting. As, yeah. It's all based on what they were looking at. Their brain just made some assumptions without looking at the whole video just because they were focused on one part. Wow. Just depend- depending on what you see... Yeah, your whole perception is different based on what specific thing you're looking at. Yep. Another wow. interesting one about sight uh, is there is just there's a guy who went blind when he was three years old, and then when he was in his forties, he had like some reconstructive surgery done that allowed him to see again, and he was shown some uh, some optical illusions where it's like you can see a shape in the negative space based off of actual shapes. I don't know if that makes sense. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. but the shape isn't actually there, but based off of looking at the other shapes, your brain can see a fake shape Fills in the middle. Yeah. Um, and the guy couldn't see the fake triangle. As hard as he tried, he couldn't perceive the fake shapes. And it was because his brain didn't have enough previous experiment or experience with the shapes to be able to make it up and put oh, that in wow. there. So he couldn't see it at all. And it, I have a picture of it. I'll text it to you right now. Um, it's very obvious, the triangle in the middle, but he couldn't see it at all because uh, he, his brain didn't have the experience to just make it up. Yeah, so it's like three Pac-Mans on the corner to, uh-huh. and then like a... The three corners of a triangle flipped was it 45 degrees. That's really interesting because yeah, I instantly see that. Like so immediately. Over, over time, was he tested again? And like as he got that experience just seeing and living life? Yeah. He said a couple years later he realized his brain was just learning how to... Uh, oh, what did he... What it, was, it was like his brain was learning how to predict... Oh. And it was like had to learn all that stuff. It's super weird. So that's seeing, right? But at least we can trust hearing 
right? No. We can trust what we hear. No. No, we can't. (laughs) I have in my notes, all caps, FALSE. FALSE. Um, And there's some interesting stuff here, too. Our hearing senses are delayed, just like our sight. So your brain, again, often just makes it up what it thinks you hear so it can give it to you real time. Um, And uh, do you remember one good example of this? Do you remember Yanny and Laurel? Yeah. It was like a toy that said... uh, Was it a toy? It was was the green needle... uh, that was another one. Green needle, and then there's another word. It was oh, like yeah, some, yeah, yeah. some toy that you press a button and it says... Yep, it's the same thing. Basically, yeah. Yanny Laurel was a trend from like 2018, I think, where it was an, uh, just a piece of audio that played, and it would say it, and people would hear either Yanny or they'd hear Laurel. And it was like, which like those two words are not even close to the same, right? Right. It's the same as blue, black, and white, gold with the dress. Your brain just, like, decides what it hears, and uh, that's what you get. It's called, the effect is called the McGurk effect. I don't know why, but that's why it's called. That's what it's called. Okay. And it reminds, have you seen, there's a lot of videos out right now, which is playing, like, words on, like, a TikTok video. It's playing just like a phrase, and then the words will pop up on the screen and says, this is what it sounds like now, this is what it sounds like now, and it's the exact same audio, but you hear completely different phrases based off of the words on the screen. Yeah, I've seen that before. You've seen some of those? Yeah. So your brain uh, your brain cheats off of your what you can see. I think sight is one of like the dominant senses. So your brain cheats off of what you can see and just makes up what you hear. And so you can't trust that either. Another weird one is called phantom words. They did a test where they played gibberish, two words slightly off Mm -hmm. that were gibberish in both of your ears. And they played it repeatedly over and over again. And then within a couple seconds, people started to hear real phrases. And it was your brain... And they write down what the phrases are, like mac and cheese or random stuff. Um, and everyone heard something different. And it was their brain just totally making something up to make sense, like to make a pattern out of the chaos. Just makes up a phrase. Wasn't actually there. Didn't actually happen. Yeah. So you're just, it's pattern recognition. So your brain yep. just trying to find patterns. Um, same thing. I saw a video where the audio just said, ba, ba, ba over and over again, and then you saw a guy on the screen saying bah, and then it switched, that was the exact same audio, but it switched to a guy on the screen saying fa, and just by seeing his lips, your brain changed what you heard. Yeah, I've seen that before too, and it's, that actually is crazy, and then it goes like ma, like just uh-huh. different, the, and your, the first letter, and yeah, it totally switches the sound. Your brain just switches it. I'm just, I guess maybe my topic today is proof that you have no control over what your brain decides is your reality. (laughs) It gets to just choose and figure it out. But, so that's hearing. Oh, another one I wrote down that is just one that I didn't find in an article, just something I thought of, is like how you perceive sound after you see a scary movie. Like it's the, if you're in your house that you've always been in, 
and all the normal sounds happen. Then you watch a scary movie. Then afterwards, all yeah. those sounds have like different meaning to you. Yeah. And your brain tells you that they're dangerous, even though they're the same sounds you hear every single day. All of a sudden, your brain is like, these are bad. This is danger. Mm-hmm. Very mm. weird. But at least touch is, the, sen- the touch sense, at least that's accurate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to taste. False. Oh! <laughs> lots of fun, lots of fun experiences uh, to show that touch isn't always accurate either. Uh, big first example, phantom limbs. So someone gets um, amputated, a, a limb amputated, right? It's a mm-hmm. very common, almost the majority of people um, say that they can still feel that limb and that it's still, they can still sense it there, even though it's completely gone. There's no electrical signals whatsoever being sent to your brain to show any sign that it's still there. But your brain just decides, yeah, that's still there because it's what it's known. So it's still, people have like very real experiences of being able to feel limbs that they don't even have anymore. Yeah, those can be pretty bad, I've heard. Yeah. Another one, rubber, the rubber glove experiment. They put, they sat people down in a seat put their hand on a table, covered their hand with a box, put a fake hand, like a fake rubber hand, next to that box, and then touched their real hand and their and the fake rubber hand at the same time in the same yeah. way, and then stopped touching the real hand. And people could still feel what was happening to the fake hand afterwards. Mm-hmm. So is your brain, like just tricking your brain, thinking it's got a hand that it doesn't even have. And your brain's just like, yep, that's your reality now. That's what you can feel. Uh, and yeah, then last one for... That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Last one for touch is the phantom vibration syndrome, which is where you can feel your phone buzz, even though it didn't actually. And it's just your brain repeating a pattern uh, that it's seen before without you, without anything actually happening. So you, you, you've experienced that before, right? You can, yeah. like, oh, feel yeah. your phone buzz, and you're like, oh, that was my phone. Get yeah. it out. Nothing happened. Or there's no phone in your pocket. That happens to me. Yeah. It's just your brain casually rewriting your reality to say that you've got a text or a phone call or something. This why? still doesn't, like, concern you? Isn't that weird? Yeah, but why Why would my brain... Is it because that's just a part of my daily life, is getting it's my just phone all... out of my pocket, and it's like, yep. you need to check again. It's just all pattern recognition, hmm. and your brain likes patterns and likes things to keep doing what they were doing. So hmm. if you lose a limb, it'll still feel the limb because that's what your brain's used to. Don't have your phone buzzing off the hizzle like it usually is because we're so popular. Your brain says, nope, that phone's going to be a buzzing. Do people get phantom like sight or phantom sounds? If they lost their sight or hearing? I don't know. I know that if you were... If you were a seeing person and then became blind, you could still dream visibly because your brain has that experience. I know that, but I don't know, like, if you can, like, hear stuff still. I would... Based off of everything else we've talked about in this topic, I would guess that that would still be the case in some Hmm. way. Hmm. Um, yeah. at least taste though the final one it all happens with taste buds on your tongue so that's accurate right 
Exactly. Okay, now time for my topic. <laughs> False. <laughs> uh, and I don't have I don't have many op- uh, examples of the taste one, except for the gummy bear, multiple colors, same flavors. Yeah. People, there's uh, been a huge debate over people saying, like, arguing back and forth. Gummy bears have different flavors because there's different colors, but then all the flavors exactly the same. But based off of the color you eat, you taste something different. And that's all based on what your brain is used to. Um, so they actually did an experiment to test this concept out with uh, drinks and food coloring. And so they would just have like uh, different drinks that were all the same flavor, but then they would dye them different colors and people would taste like if it was red, they'd be like, yep. That's strawberry. Or if it was yellow, they'd be like, yeah, that's lemons for sure. Or green is lime. Uh-huh. All, it was all the exact same flavor, but I'd they could that. taste the difference. So basically, if we can prove that every single sense can be tricked through shortcuts, do you think it's happening in our regular day-to-day beyond yeah. just these experiments? Yes. I find that weird. <laughs> I'm just like, sure, yeah, whatever. I, Cool. <laughs> okay. I I I don't know how I feel about it. Like, what about the times when you're driving, and you kind of forget you're driving, and then you just like completely lose track, and then you come back to your senses later, and are like, "Did I run through any red lights or uh-huh. anything? Did I hit anybody? Yeah. Did, Did I? How is my drive car off just the road at all? Yeah, that type of thing where your car's like, or your car, your brain is like, don't even pay attention to this. I'll just handle this. So your car does too if it's like a Tesla. Yeah, true. Teslas are evil. Te- bring Just down don't the... Don't even... Hey, I got this. You take your hands off the wheel. I got this. Don't even pay attention. <laughs> uh, other things, seeing things that aren't there. How many times have you seen something like in the corner of your eye? Oh, every or single day? Some, yeah. Or saw someone you knew and then looked again and it wasn't them? Every single day. Or even like getting a bad feeling about someone. That could come entirely from a random experience in your past that your brain's like, that looks like a person that mm-hmm. gave you a bad time, so mm-hmm. you don't like them now, mm-hmm. or you're threatened by them. Yeah. Hearing random things didn't happen. Someone, d- did you say my name? Nope. Oh, did you say something? I didn't say anything. All this kind of, like your brain's just making stuff up, and it's bleeding into our reality and what we see every day. Yeah. Just don't have control, and that's okay. Last thing. The end. Oh. <laughs> to, to, to ruin the rest of your brain for you. What we see in real time and hear and taste and smell and touch, all that, isn't actually completely real or isn't even real time all the time. But at least our memory is solid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Our memory. There's no way our memory could get messy. False. Ugh. And this one actually bothers me more than all the rest of them combined. Um, So how your memory works, it's encoded. So something happens real time. It's encoded into like a different format of electrical signal through neurons. Then it's stored in these neurons, right? And they hang out. And then your brain recalls them when it wants to use them again for whatever reason. Problem is when when your brain recalls them, you're not like seeing exactly what you saw your brain is just recreating it for you based off of what it remembers. Mm-hmm. And 
I think we've proven today that your brain doesn't always get things right. Mm -hmm. And it's not super reliable. So uh, they've done studies that have argued that every time a memory is recalled, it's changed slightly by your current environment. And it's called imprinting. So when you bring up a memory, it's imprinted with like what you were feeling when you had the memory, all this different stuff. Like you can have a memory from 20 years ago and you remember it now and maybe you were really angry when you remember it. And now that anger can even be imprinted on that, um, which is kind of a weird thing on its own. Mm-hmm. And I actually read a book that argued that you could manipulate people's emotions by doing something memorable to them and attaching emotion to it on purpose when you do it. So like you start slapping someone on the back anytime you see them and saying like, Hey, how are you? And making sure that they're in a certain like emotional state when you do that. And then you can start doing that and that'll change their emotional state because it gets pulled up and that emotion has been imprinted. Super weird stuff. Yeah, like every time this guy says hi to me, he slaps me in the face, and now I'm mad at him. <laughs> now I'm angry about it. <laughs> now every time he slaps me in the face, I get angry. <sighs> See, that's emotional manipulation. Exactly. You nailed the concept. <laughs> um, a little bit of proof for you that your memory is not at all correct, <laughs> which is really sad. But uh, they tested it with flashbulb memories, which are memories that are really clear and super vivid, and you can remember them really well. Um, stuff like 9-11 or like when the Challenger space okay. shuttle exploded. Yeah. And you can remember very clearly, like, I remember I was here doing this when this happened, and here's how I felt. Like, it's imprinted very clearly and vividly. So essentially, these are like the strongest emotion – or the strongest – memories you can have in terms of like clarity and stuff yes so they decided to test it so a day after the challenger exploded there were 106 students and i don't (laughs) seems like kind of shame on the scientists for being like here's an opportunity like this tragic thing happened let's use this for a psychological test yeah Yeah. but they did so a day after the challenger exploded they gave 106 students a survey with seven questions and the questions were just like, where were you when this happened? What were you doing? What do you remember thinking? Uh, who are you with? Questions like that, just clarifying. And this is a day after, so it's pretty fresh. Uh, they definitely remember what happened pretty clearly. Then two and a half, la- two and a half years later, the students that were still at the school, so 44 students were asked again, um, to take that same survey before they did before they were asked to take that survey they asked how confident they were in their memories of what happened and they all said they were very confident like as confident as you can be these are the most vivid clear memories you can have and they give them the survey and out of the seven on average out of the seven questions asked on the surveys the students averaged 2.95 correct um 25% of the students got every detail wrong about what they remember. Wow. And only 7% of the students didn't have any sort of major distortions. Still Mm. some, but not big ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's here's one. Day after 
it exploded. This person filled in on their survey. I was in my religion class and some people walked in and started talking about it is what happened when they heard about it. Two and a half years later, they were asked the same question and they answered, I was very confident that they remember what happened. And then they answered, when I first heard about the explosion, I was sitting in my fresh room dorm room with my roommate and we were watching TV. So what they ended up remembering was completely wrong, but they had like very vivid, clear memory of it that their brain just made up completely. Yeah, sitting in my dorm room, I was with my roommate, but actually they were in a class and people walked in talking about it. And huh. after after explaining to that person how they answered originally, they said, that's crazy. They, this is <laughs> not an exact quote. But they said, that's crazy because I can't remember that at all. Even after knowing the truth, they still remember it the other way, mm-hmm. which basically shows that their memory had just been completely overridden. Yeah. Maybe the people... Maybe after talking about it, they were talking with somebody who was sitting in their dorm room watching it on yeah. TV. And their brain just took like, that Oh, that was me. I was there. There's actually a, a really interesting podcast from Revisionist History with uh-huh. uh, Malcolm Gladwell called Free Brian Williams. Because Brian Will- Williams is like the news reporter that claimed he was on a helicopter that was getting shot at, but that never actually happened. Oh, And uh, so they talk about that. Uh yeah, that's that's interesting. Okay. And how he could have just had the memory wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's just Very crazy possible. that your brain is so impressively able to change stuff that it can give you full memories that are not even real. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these are like the strongest memories you can have, these flashbulb yeah. moments. Yeah. Um, tested the same thing with hundreds of students after 9-11. Same result. Um tested the same thing after the OJ trial, which doesn't seem like the same level of intensity, so I don't know why that was included, but I guess that was a big deal for some people. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Same thing with when Barack Obama became president, first African-American president. Um, They tested it, same thing. Just completely wrong memories every single time, and it's just manipulated. Last thing to show that you can't trust your memories, is this scientist called Loftus uh, who studied false memories and specifically with regards to eyewitness testimonies um, because she was trying to say, hey, we can't use eyewitness testimonies in a court of law because they're often so wrong that we're sending hundreds of people to jail who DNA has now shown are completely innocent. Crazy stuff. Um but so she was testing it that she had a bunch of people watching accidents, car accidents, watching a video of it. And then she said just based solely on how she asked a question, it would completely change their memory of it. Mm-hmm. So she would say, how fast was the, car go- was the car going when it hit fill in the blank? And they would answer. And then she asked other people, how fast was the car going when it smashed fill in the blank? And when she said smashed people answered like 10 miles an hour faster Wow! just because she changed the wording. Yeah. So like that's yeah. how malleable your memories are. Yeah. So then she decided to see if she could use them to influence behavior. And she implanted false memories in her students by having her, or by having the student's family send three childhood memories that actually happened. And then Loftus added a fourth 
sent it home with the students, said, read all these memories, and then asked him about it. And seven of the students that she did this with remembered the fake event and added extra details to it. <laughs> and then she, then she was like, let's see if we can influence behavior with it. So she implanted false memories of students getting super sick and throwing up after eating strawberry ice cream. And then a week later, most of those students had... Uh, developed vivid memories about that, offered extra details about that experience they had, and then uh, later showed, other studies showed that they don't eat uh, strawberry ice cream anymore. So you can wow. have a completely wrong memory, never even happened. You can add extra detail to it and then let it influence your behavior forever. I wonder if there's a way to do that in like TV ads or marketing where I'm sure that there's some aspect where they do that, but just like totally trick you manipulate people. <laughs> I, that's kind of what advertising is. Yeah. But remember, <laughs> yeah. remember, uh, whales on stilts, the book. Oh, sure do. That book doesn't exist. I implanted <laughs> that. It doesn't even happen. <laughs> Look it up. It doesn't, it's not real. I thought about asking you about like a memory we had that never really <laughs> happened, but I was like, he's just going to be like, that didn't happen. Yeah. No, I'd probably just be like, oh, I don't remember that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> half, of, half of my life, I don't remember anyway. Yeah. Um, and then that results in the Mandela effect, which mm -hmm. is a whole big thing on its own, which shows that you can convince entire groups that like about false memories. Um, which the one that caught me that when I was researching this was... Uh, Luke, I am your father. Have you heard about this one? Yeah, it's actually no, I'm your father. Yeah, I had to look up a video just to make sure because I was like, uh uh. Yeah. Like, yeah, never even says Luke, I am your father. Yeah, because he says, You killed my father! And, and he like, says, No, no. <laughs> I, I am your father. your father. Yep. So, anyway, um, this was my topic. It was mostly just bringing up to the surface some concerns I have about who's running the show in mm -hmm. our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope I provided some adequate evidence. And I just, I'm just worried about it. I'm worried that things aren't what they seem. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do about it? Probably nothing. Okay. Probably just uh, move on. I just, yeah. That's probably just, a good thing to do. I don't, I feel like at this point, my brain is just too manipulative i couldn't i can't control it if i tried you've kind of figured it out yeah just know that you're a little more helpless than you thought <laughs> and now all of our listeners know that as well that was my goal <laughs> to make everyone a little uncomfortable good i think it worked i feel uh, extremely uncomfortable <laughs> good a little uncertain about your reality that was my end goal good um Something that I thought of while you were talking about that. Have you heard of the homunculus man? No. Sounds fun. <laughs> it's uh, when you're talking about touch. It's like a chart of just a man. And uh, the more sensitive an area on the body is, the larger it is in this like rendering uh -huh. of a man. And uh, it's just kind of interesting. It's. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about it. And... Uh, I was thinking about the hands, it. the hands and lips and tongue are the biggest thing, huh? And uh, I guess that makes sense. The feet are kind of big, and the ears are decently big, but that's about it. And yeah, it's very surprising. 
Like those are the most sensitive areas on the on the body. You see it? It's also like a night nightmare nightmare. How do you spell it? H O M U N C U L U S maybe? Homunculus. Found it. Images. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all what I was expecting to see. Yeah, so that the bigger the the body part, the more sensitive it is to touch. His his lips and tongue are huge. Uh-huh. And his hands, too. Uh-huh. That's very interesting. And they measure that by... the cl- They have, like, two needles or two very thin objects. Yeah. And at the point, they just touch you in an area, and then they kind of close those needles... Or put those needles closer together. Closer uh-huh. and closer together. Until you can no longer feel that there's two separate... Uh, needles poking you. Oh, it feels that's like very one. interesting. And uh, your hands, lips, and tongue can... The needles can, can get really close together and still tell there's two. Huh. That's kind of so a that cool was thing. Kind of random, but I just think it's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. And a fun thing to end my topic on. I, <laughs> I thought I'd end your topic for you. Thank you. I, I really plane appreciate for you. it. Didn't know exactly how to wrap it up, so I was appreciate just, the support. I was just, <laughs> I was in the the uh, co-pilot seat, and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> you know what? Scooch, scoot over. Yeah, I got this. Let me let me handle this for you, real quick. Uh, hey, you just... no problem. I'll just take care of it." Bop That's not how I'm gonna remember it. I'm gonna remember okay. that I did it. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna start manipulating my okay. own memories. Whatever works. <laughs> okay. Um, this podcast is sponsored by our Patreon page, and if you would like to support the podcast, you can go find us there. Um, and you facts. can also pay money if you'd like and get access to the nightclub, which is where we just talk about absolutely nothing and everything all at the same time. Yep, you never know what you're going to get on the nightclub, but it's which, it's special. Speaking of that, I've got I've got a story for you for the nightclub. Do you? So get I'm ready. Looking forward to it. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm already ready. Okay. Do you want to just skip your topic and we can just go straight to the nightclub? Okay, end it here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Larry? (laughs) Psych. Okay. Uh, You got anything else to say? Nope, that's it. Good. I spewed (laughs) all the words I could think of. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you about Sir Alfred's traveling issues today. I can't wait. Don't know who that is? I bet he's got some traveling issues, though. (laughs) Yo, don't get me started. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? Get me started. Get me started. Does he have traveling issues? He has he has so many traveling issues. Let me tell you <laughs> about them. So his his name is Maran Karimi Nasseri. He was born in Iran. And uh we're gonna call him Maran for now. Okay. Uh and here's here's a story according to Maran. After his father's death, his family told him that he was an illegitimate child and that his mother was actually Scottish. Oh. His, fam- his family disowned him, and he went to go study Yugoslav economics in England. What a life twist for him. So, so, Iranian guy, father dies, family kicks him out, mom's actually Scottish. Uh, a couple of years later, he returned to Iran and got involved in some protests against the Iranian leader during that time. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, one he was one of the ringleaders in charge of the protest, so he was arrested and tortured by the Iranian Ministry of Security. Oh. Um, 
so had some uh, some rough rough happenings to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, poor guy, poor fella. Eventually, he was excommunicated and was not welcomed back into Iran. So he's kind of a refugee at this point, like looking for citizenship somewhere. So he began traveling through Europe, looking for a country that would grant him citizenship, or would at least let him stay there for a while and yeah, live there. camp out for a, a bit. Yeah, yeah. So just years of like, where do I go? Can I? Am I even allowed to be here? I just want to live somewhere. I just want to live somewhere. Just anywhere. Let me live somewhere. And uh, <laughs> after a few years, Belgium offered him refugee status and gave him oh. all the necessary paperwork. So good for them. All done. Good to go. However, oh, no. he wanted oh, to no. get British citizenship. So after some time in and out of jail in France on Ill- illegal immigration charges, kind of sneaking in and out of the country, but then getting caught, he finally made it to his plane to England and so he stopped in France had a layover there then headed over to England but uh, upon deboarding from the airplane in England uh-huh. he claims that his bags and papers were all stolen oh no and they gave him the boot to go back to France they gave him the boot so think think with me about his situation at this point he has no documentation yep he's not a citizen anywhere yeah, that's already that's a big issue. Can't prove who he is. Nobody else can prove where he's from or where he's allowed to live. And so he just kind of chills in the airport for a while because he can't go out to France. <laughs> he yeah. can't fl- get another flight and go somewhere else. And, so he's stuck. Uh, so he was instructed to wait into the airport until it was sorted out. And days turned into months. What? Months turned into years. What? In the airport? He he turned a couple benches in Terminal 1 of the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris into his (laughs) home. And he finally found a place to live. Not by choice, though. Yeah, I wouldn't choose that. Yeah, so (laughs) those were his travel problems. And uh, so this man, this is a story about the man who lived in Terminal 1 in Paris airport this sounds like the beginning of a fantasy novel (laughs) i wouldn't know i don't read those but it sounds like it can you imagine reading (laughs) nerd um so initially like what do you how do you think he like got like he gets there and he's like "Uh, okay what do i do yeah i've got questions (laughs) yeah how do you think he like survived like what's, he, walk walk me through your process. What you would, what would you do? You're you're kicked off the airplane. You have to stay in this airport for who knows how long. What's your first? What's your plan? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Reminds me of a book I read. At least I think I read. Nerd. Where, <laughs> where, uh, these two kids run away from home and live in a museum for a while. They have to like hide, and stuff. So you'd have to hide. You have to find a good hiding spot, pack up all your belongings every night, and hide. Because you'd get kicked out, right? If you just camped out. Eventually, someone would notice. I would guess. But France isn't going to let him out into their country. So no one, not even to go to, like, jail? No one even was just like, why don't you just come to jail? I guess they didn't (laughs) want (laughs) to. Hey, hey, bud. They put his arm, put their arm around him. Come on. (laughs) 
Come on. Come let me on. take you to jail. Come well, on. Let's go to. It's time to go to jail, fella. Take a walk. Let's take a walk. Okay, good point. So he's there. No one wants to do anything with him. So they're just letting him exist. So he has to barter. Nope, he doesn't have anything to offer. He has to oh, just he, beg um, for money. Services, entertainment, perhaps. Oh, that's true. Maybe he becomes a street performer, an airport performer. He could do some tap, or maybe yeah. a juggling. Or maybe, maybe the shoe waxing folk. Um, oh yeah. Let him jump in with them, and for you know a couple dollars an hour. Sure, or sure, sure, sure. Um, and then you know. Once you find a way to make your money, then you're just eating airport food, and mm-hmm. eventually they get to know you, so maybe they give you an extra portion here and there. Okay. Sneak a little extra bean on the plate. Somehow. <laughs> extra bean on the plate. Yeah. Somehow you get into the VIP lounge every so often to, like, take a shower. Okay. That's all I got. That's what I think okay. I would, that's how I would handle the situation. Yeah. It's, it's, a. Uh... Not too far off. So he initially he relied on the kindness of travelers and airport staff for food and money. Yeah. So he just kind of chatted it up with people. And hey, I'm stuck in you this know, airport You know, he's there forever. every day at yeah. the same uh, bench. He kind of pushed two benches together and made his little house. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you work there, you see this guy, you talk to him, you're curious. Uh, hey, why has this you guy and... been here for three months? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would so, ask. They started giving him uh, some money, and and people that fly frequently would see him a lot, strike up conversations, kind of. Yeah, uh, hey, so I saw he, you last time. Here's a buck. Yeah, and he's like, I'm stuck here. I can't do anything. <laughs> and, uh, like, okay, here's, uh, this might help. So, a little bit of panhandling, whether he chose to or not, he got, got help from a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, it says he washes clothes at the airport dry cleaning. Oh, so. I could not. I didn't see where he showered. I'm sure the lounge, or he just like sponge bathed himself. I guess maybe like pick early in the morning. Yeah. Every so often. Yeah, that's no what he would do. Before, or I think right after the Japanese would come in every morning. Yeah. On their early morning flights, he'd go in, and no uh, one's gonna be in here. Up. Exactly. Probably has the schedules memorized. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I got 12 minutes, probably, mostly to myself. I'll just jump in here, do some yep. Yep. quick sponging. He got in the routine. And uh, so he he had McDonald's for breakfast and dinner most days. Wow. Like an egg McMuffin in the morning and a fish sandwich <laughs> at night for dinner. Forget living in an airport. That would get old really fast. Yeah. That yeah. same meal. And uh, he eventually kind of did odd jobs for some of the airport staff and earned some money that way as well. Yeah. Um, but eventually, um, he was able to tune out all the airport announcements of like, <laughs> this is, this flight's coming in, this flight's leaving. Yeah. If this, you see a sir, loose can bag. you come get your, your bag, sir, yep. come get your bag, sir, your bag. Don't leave any baggage unattended. Unattended. Yeah. Probably can recite the entire day's schedule. <laughs> and uh, so every three minutes they would say that, but he kind of just was able to tune that out. Yeah. And uh, the longer he stayed there, the more attention he got from reporters and journalists. Oh, and a lot of it. people came and visited and interviewed him, writers, reporters, and um, talked about his stay at Terminal 1. And he just grew to love the attention. 
Like wow. he he well, kept every him. article and <laughs> interview that that was published and found them and and was able to keep them and like proudly collected them. Added them to his home. Exactly. He just had all of his suitcases. Like, from pictures of this guy, he has quite a few suitcases that I'm assuming he just kind of gathered over over his time there. (laughs) He's the reason they tell people not to leave baggage unattended. (laughs) A man might burrow behind them and and make a home. Old Moran over there might just grab your suitcases and call them his. And yeah, that's very possible. He could have just like stole people's. Like, where'd it go? I don't know. Crazy travel stuff. Man. Check Moran. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, in exchange for interviews with him, he would ask for a little, uh, nice little monetary fee for an interview with him, and he began began making a little money. So as his story grew and popularity increased, and um, <laughs> I would have asked for like a phone call with someone important or yeah. <laughs> hey can someone give me an identity yeah. during his time at the airport actually a well-known lawyer from the uk heard about the case and went to uh-huh. meet with him and try to get this whole thing sorted out and uh event it took <laughs> 10 long years 10 years of living in this airport and legal issues and and trying to find That's a way around crazy these, uh, weird loopholes and lost documents. But the the lawyer eventually found a way for him to leave. And by this point, he's calling himself Sir Alfred. <laughs> and he wants, he wants people to address him as Sir Alfred, which is his, uh, his European name. And one reporter asked him, like, how do you get the name Sir? And he's like, um, you just have to have it, basically. That's not word <laughs> for word, but he's like, some people just, just got it. <laughs> some people are just sirs. Some people know? have it and some people don't. And Honestly, uh, if you're stuck in an airport for 10 years, you can ask to be called whatever you want. <laughs> That's my and, uh, rule. So everyone's excited. Like, yeah, he can finally go home. And the airport staff are like, yes, this man can finally leave. <laughs> and uh, Alfred said he would only leave if he could get British citizenship, which was not part of the deal that the lawyer got him. Uh oh. So he stayed there. Alfred. He stayed there. And <laughs> and the lawyer claims that when he first met Alfred, he was a sane, rational man. And then a lot of people agreed, like reporters and people that had regular contact with him, <laughs> that at some point during this ten years and after a few too many arrival and departure announcements, his mental state started to decline. And so, like, lawyers and doctors and refugee groups and Christian prayer groups all tried to get him to to leave. But the longer he stayed there, he just was content. He's like, I'm going to stay here. That's just Living at this airport in Terminal 1. That's just his thing. Yeah, at some point, he just... That was his home. He didn't want to leave. And uh, one of the world's... You get used to it. I guess. Like... It's weird. Enough time passes and what used to be weird becomes your new routine (laughs) yeah and uh so one of the world's famous stevens guess which one stevens uh which which one of the world's famous stevens stephen stephen hawking nope stephen uh uh i don't know (laughs) you don't know okay it's steven spielberg 
Oh. So Steven Spielberg heard about the story and got started on a movie based on Alfred's what? situation. Yeah. And for the rights to use the story, Alfred, Sir Alfred was paid, I, I found, either $250,000 or $300,000, somewhere between there. Wow, good for Probably him. Probably about a quarter of a, mil- of a million dollars for the rights to use the story. And uh, he just went to the airport <laughs> post office bank and deposited it, which I don't know how that works. To me, it's just like he just how? took the check and put it right in the mailbox. And it's like, that's in my bank account. I got that I, now. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's there's probably a situation where you can. <laughs> he he stored money somehow. So yeah, yeah, that's a a whole weird thing on its own. Like, how do you even get a bank account set up without really having an identity? Or... I don't. Yeah, I don't. I guess a post office bank is maybe just like a lockbox. That's just where he kept it, because I guess the only thing you're ever buying is in the airport. Yeah. So you're just hanging on to it. But I don't know how you deposit a check. Maybe it can wasn't. I, maybe they gave it to him in cash. I don't know. Or gold. This, maybe they flew in some gold bars. Can I pay for this uh, McDonald's cheeseburger <laughs> with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar check? Here, cash you're change, have to, please. You're gonna have to. <laughs> you're just gonna have to scrape some of this gold bar <laughs> off. Just a tiny bit. Um, yeah, and despite his massive payday, he stayed on his bench and proudly hung up the poster. The movie was eventually made, wow. and uh, he never got to see it in theaters, though. Um, guess yeah. why? Because they didn't have a theater in the airport. Because he was in the airport, yeah. Yeah, poor guy. And, and uh, <laughs> so... That's crazy. Yeah, it's just, it's like people aren't meant to live in an airport, almost. <laughs> but it's it's so interesting just because you, you still get so much like contact with other people and yeah. you're socializing so much it's not like a but, recluse or anything yeah but there's just something about being there eats at you i guess after a while yeah and Uh-oh. as more research was done into his story it started to become clear that some of the details of his past were different than he would tell people uh oh. So, according to multiple journalists and reporters who spent time with him, he changed his story pretty often. Yeah. And just uh, keeping it fresh. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you don't know me. I could be <laughs> somebody different than you think. And uh, it's very unlikely he's half Scottish. Um, you look at him, and it's quite possible that you've never seen a more Iranian looking man. Uh huh. Like, <laughs> no bagpipes or kilts or anything he doesn't even have his kilt with him no zero kilts that i saw in my research (laughs) um as it turns out he was pretty close with his family growing up and they never kicked him out of the house and they thought just they knew he was like at the airport but they thought he was just living the life he wanted at the time like yeah he must have some master plan this is all building towards yeah something that's very weird and his mother had a hard time hearing that he believe she wasn't his biological mother as any mother would probably of course yep agreed Um, so they're kind of like he's just this normal guy like growing up he was smart socially aware and well-read and just nobody questioned his mental state before but they said if there's something wrong with him now it's not from the past it must have happened to him there yeah something living in an airport every day (laughs) that'll do it and uh, also, he was never kicked out of Iran. He 
protested a new regulation at an Iranian university. Mm-hmm. And they questioned him for a few few hours, but that's about it. Like, no jail time or no torture or nothing. So, huh. and, uh, so all this was just made up. Yeah. And he, he left college because he just failed the classes <laughs> and ran out of money. And Yeah. What? So kind of the reason so he, he said, moved I'm... around was just... It just stuff didn't quite work out for him. The way he, he said, "I am moving to the airport." I guess so. And uh, that's crazy. So as people kind of learned about these changes <laughs> in his story, and like he just seems off, they kind of began distancing themselves. And yeah, um, the movie that Steven Spielberg made, that DreamWorks made, mm-hmm. is called The Terminal. It stars Tom Hanks. Have you seen that? Oh, that sounds familiar. I was going to ask what the movie was because I feel like yeah. I would have heard of it. Yeah. I feel like I have heard of it. So they, they made that movie. It uh, is not a good movie. I've not seen it, but <laughs> Abby said she saw it, and she's like, don't see it. It's not good. <laughs> not rated well. Not a good movie. And uh, kind of a, <laughs> a big pile up. <laughs> and and they, they actually never ended up using the story from Sir Alfred. So they oh. paid him for the rights to it, but basically it was just the idea of living in an airport was the only thing that came from from his story. Everything else was just totally different. Yeah, yeah, but they just never referenced him in press or anything. Like, they kind of just distanced themselves. Yeah. And uh, Seems like maybe that was the smart move. I think maybe, yeah. And after 18 long years Holy in Terminal cow. 1... Alfred finally left the airport in an ambulance as he was forced to go to the hospital due to oh. some... They didn't say why. Yeah. But you you can see, thing. like, he has this bump on his head that kind of gets bigger just throughout different interviews oh. and stuff. I think that's why. That's my theory. Yeah. Um, and eventually he was moved to a French homeless shelter and, as far as I know, still lives there to this day. Man. Which probably isn't nearly as fun as the airport. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, just, he kind of doesn't have normal, not normal, typical motivations for things. Like, he doesn't care uh-huh. about the money as much, clearly, because he even wrote a book, and I'm sure got a ton of money from that. At least that. something, yeah. He got at least some money from that, and uh, so here's what I think happened. Yeah. This is Josiah's theory. I think he was originally intending to go to England and live there, but once he was forced to stay at the airport, kind of didn't mind it too much. He was like, wait, this is kind of fun. uh, Yeah, exactly. And I think he (laughs) grew to love the attention so much that, like, that's all he wanted. Uh And, And I don't think he cared about the money, really, since he... Basically, has been homeless for the last 30 years. Yeah. And even though he has money, he could go out and buy a house. But I just don't think he cares about that. And uh, I think just the time in the airport just kind of poisoned his brain <laughs> a little bit. And, yeah. And the fame just took him down. So that's kind of the, my theory. What um, a but strange trajectory. As far as I know, took. he still enjoys the the homeless shelter i think yeah i don't know just has different motivations than some people i wonder if the airport would ever let him back in 
Like if he <laughs> yeah. just showed up at that airport, would security ban. just be like, uh, please don't, please don't come in here. <laughs> yeah, I probably because everyone's going to recognize him. Like there's no sneaking yeah. back into the, that airport. 18 years, though, that's an absurd amount of time to not be like somehow kicked out or something. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't really know some of the laws. Like, you'd think somebody would figure out, like, hey, you you can't stay here. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, I guess the national law overrides the airport law or something. That's but so... It's crazy that it even took a well-known lawyer and so much time to even find something for him. To even make it happen. Yeah. That is so crazy. But... Good anyway, story. That's the story, and then he's not the only person who's lived in an airport before. Uh-huh. There's, there's, uh, there's a couple people. One guy from 2000, or 20, end of 2020 to 2021 lived in huh. the Chicago airport for three months. And he, he like found this, this secure wing that people didn't go in as often. Oh. And he kind of did the same thing. Like He just got, got money and food from people and talked to people and... Um, they eventually found him. They're like, he was in an area he wasn't supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, can you show us your uh, your badge? Like, who are you? And he showed them <laughs> a badge that he had found in, like, a bathroom or something. Yeah. He just stolen one. And they're like, oh, that's not you. Come with us. <laughs> that clearly, that's me, actually. He, <laughs> he also stole uh, just keys. Somebody left the keys somewhere, and he stole that and kind of got around and Lived wow. in the Chicago airport for three months, and uh, this guy's name was Aditya Singh. He was going to school in L.A., I believe, and was eventually going home to India. And the reason they said, yeah. like, once they found him, they said, like, why did you stay here? What's your deal? <laughs> and he said, well, I just was afraid of COVID, so I just so didn't want to get on a flight home. Went to an airport? <laughs> <laughs> he He didn't. Yeah, he, I think he was going from L.A. to Chicago. No, Chicago to L.A., oh. then India, and his flight from, like, yeah, when he got, when he was in the Chicago airport, he's like, I'm going to stay here. I'm just going to camp out here for a bit. <laughs> That's crazy. COVID is freaky. COVID freaks me out. Which I'm going to stay in a place where people, second. yeah, I'm going to stay in a place where people filter through constantly. <laughs> we get thousands nonstop. and thousands of people every day. <laughs> yeah and i'm gonna talk to those people yeah all day Approach anyway them and take money from them <laughs> yeah and he was he was uh charged with a couple things like i mean stealing things that he shouldn't have and being in places he wasn't supposed to be yeah and eventually all the charges got dropped and he was fine oh like, isn't that crazy what <laughs> so, so just I don't... a free three-month stay i guess so yeah, and then uh, there's two guys, two guys that currently live in an airport that I could find. Uh, there's one guy in Brazil who is, has been there for about 21, 22 years. What? And his, his reason this for is... going to the airport in the first place was he had frequent conflicts at home, and he decided <laughs> to take refuge in the airport. <laughs> okay, and then uh, sure. someone said he seems to suffer from psychological problems, which... Again, kind of makes sense. Adds up. Living for there for 20 plus years. Something. And he still lives in the airport, but comes out occasionally, apparently. Huh. 
And then there's and one more man, <laughs> one more man in China, in uh, Beijing airport, who's been there for about 13 to 14 years. And he's Holy his reasoning cow. for going there was he wanted to smoke and drink without his family bothering him. <laughs> and he also uh. <laughs> he also had difficulty finding work. So he's like, I'm just gonna chill at the airport for. I'm going who knows to the how. airport. That is an idea that I've never considered <laughs> in my time as a human. Honestly, <laughs> and so many people have done it. Like, there's a list. I found a list of people <laughs> that have been there for months or years. Wow. And uh, so, if you have no place to go, go to an airport. Like, at the Kalispell Airport. I'm just buy as cheap. Yeah, with like its three gates. <laughs> <laughs> Buy as cheap of a plane ticket as you can. Go to the airport. Get through security. Sometimes you don't even need a plane ticket to get through security. You just can somehow get in there? I think... Well, I mean, it's just... Uh, oh, actually... Maybe not. Maybe that's a lie. I feel like there was one time I got through without showing my my pass or anything. Hmm. I don't know if that's true. Uh, if you're homeless and you want to try that, give it a shot. I mean, you so could I buy see. the cheapest flight available yeah. from that airport. Yeah, and then you get in. You just call that like the security deposit for your new home. <laughs> yeah, and you're chilling so for crazy. as long as you need. No bad weather. Uh, plenty of of a stream of people with plenty of money. Yep. Well, really, no weather at all. That's true. Not you're not going outside. <laughs> so yeah, just. Enjoy being inside forever. <laughs> I, guess. I wonder if that has to do with with just his mental state too, like not getting any fresh air for eighteen yeah. years. Because even after a couple hours in the airport, I can just feel I'm off. Yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. Well, I'm so, boarding a flight on Thursday, you. so we'll see if I get <laughs> on the plane. Okay, if you, I'll make sure you get off because I'm I'm picking you up from the airport actually. Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll make sure you get out. I'll get you out. We'll, we'll see. Just Might just don't hang don't out there for a couple of years. <laughs> I can't imagine getting to an airport and then just thinking, well, I think I'm just going to stick around here. I'll stay bit. here. That's see not too bad. It could, it's better than other places. That's true. I'll give you that. Honestly. Yep. Denver one is pretty nice. Yeah. People watching a variety of food. Yep. I don't know. Do wow. some networking. Anyway, that's well, I, what I got. That's, that's good. That's the story of Sir Alfred's travel problems. I had, I had no idea that that type of uh, industry existed. <laughs> the airport squatting crowd. Yeah, real thing. That, huh. Lots of people have done it. Where I think the longest I've spent story? in an airport is uh, maybe eight hours. Yeah, I think that's about the same for me, I too. I don't think I could do more than 24 no, because there's no good place to, like, lay down. I'm sure, I think yeah. I could stay for a while if there was, like, really comfortable, like, couch that you could just, like, it reclines all the way. Like, I could sleep in this if I needed to. I'm just chilling. Yeah. Well, think about it. It's not off the table just yet. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely an idea I'm going to consider. I'll have to see what Mallory thinks. But okay. I imagine she'll be interested. Yeah. It sounds like a fun adventure for you guys. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> anyway. Cool. That's what I got. Good topic. Like it. <laughs> yeah. Like it. I love it. Um, real quick, give people a quick 
reason why they should vote for you. Yeah, I opened up your eyes to uh, the free reign that your brain has over everything. And uh, not really any real purpose to it other than just to kind of freak you out or maybe make you think. Kind of some Inception-style thinking. Um, Maybe try to document things more. Okay. With, uh, like, a video camera. So that, you know, you make sure you get the real memory and not just some made-up thing your brain decides on. Oh, that's an interesting take. Take more photos and videos. Yeah. So there you go. There's there's my practical application for it. I like that. To get the most real memories, take videos and pics. Huh. I like that. Um, and I did, gave you a little travel hack to, uh, if <laughs> to you stop don't traveling. know where to live, just check out an airport. Yeah, it's a great, fine. great place to live. Worst and case if you're scenario. not too concerned about your mental health, check out an airport. <laughs> something, something to consider. <laughs> Worst case scenario, you buy a ticket at that airport, head to a different airport, do and the same thing. And you leave, if you can. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, you, as the listeners, can vote for whoever you want to win, whoever you think did a better job, and the yep. uh, link to do that is in the show notes or on social media. You can find that. Um, and so, the punishment for this episode is the loser has to <laughs> write like out this. by hand the entire script of the B-movie. <laughs> so, this is going to be a wrist burner for sure. A little oh, carpal huge. tunnel inducer. Yep. I'm a fan of this punishment. I think it's going to be really funny for you to have to do. Okay. <laughs> Love the confidence. And, uh, yeah, just make sure you're doing your stretches beforehand. Your little little wrist stretches, your little warm-ups, your little wrist little, twirls. You do not want to dive straight into B-movie script copying without warming up first. Trust me. I've done this multiple times, and it's never good <laughs> if you don't warm up beforehand. Yeah. yeah, so uh, you can go to our social media at Learn Podcast, or you can go to the link in our show notes down below in the description and vote there. And that's all I got. You got anything else? Yeah, just I want to thank everybody for listening. It's good to be back for season three, and uh, we're ready for for an awesome season. I've got some awesome topics lined up that I'm excited oh, yeah. for. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited. So thanks, be thanks everybody, for listening. Yeah. It's fun. All right, Larry, you know the drill. Play us out. See you, Larry.